The ability for places and communities to thrive or not is based on connectivity, access to jobs and services, and social inclusion. And the quality of infrastructure is vitally linked to delivering these ingredients. IQ Future is at the forefront of critical conversations, future visions, and infrastructure insights. Hosted by me, Priscilla Radici, CEO of the Infrastructure Association of Queensland and produced by BBS Communications Group. Welcome to IQ Future. Joining us again today is Dr. Tony Matthews for part two. As you may remember, Tony is an award-winning urban and environmental planner, back again to talk to us about sustainability and coordinating disciplines to solve large challenges in cities. Welcome back again, Tony. Thank you, Priscilla. Now, you have stated that cities are the problem and the solution when it comes to sustainability. Can you tell us a bit more about this? So if you think about sustainability, or let's say we think about unsustainability being an outcome of a combination of population, consumption and pollution. So what makes something unsustainable? Too many people consuming too much and polluting too much. And where does that mostly happen? That mostly happens in cities, because that's where most people live globally now. They mostly live in cities, which means most global consumption happens in cities and most pollution comes from cities. So in that sense, cities are, are the most unsustainable, but also the most popular settlement model that we currently have and the trajectory seems to be towards more cities in the future so if you want to seriously address sustainability as a question both at say the species level and and also at the urban level or at the planning level then it makes sense to focus most of your efforts on cities because they're the cause of most of the problems and the solutions can also be found there so if you want to find the solutions to sustainability within cities then again you, you start to have to go back to look at those original drivers which are population consumption and pollution and if you can fix them in a city you can make it more sustainable that makes a lot of sense as you said most people are moving towards cities so that is an issue that needs to be resolved around how we make them more sustainable the united nations has developed the sustainable development goals they've been around for quite some time now known as the sdgs they're quite aspirational and high level what are your thoughts on how we actually really action them at a local level at a city level the SDGs are very impressive as a set of bullet points and that's really all they are and their utility is no greater than a set of bullet points because the critical question is how do you translate the vision of each SDG into some kind of action at any scale including the local and the first problem with the SDGs is they don't really articulate a vision they articulate some sort of a vague notion and that's not really something that you can plan to so they talk about you know sustainable cities for example you know sdg 11 i think and uh, this is one i've talked about before what's a sustainable city you know who knows what it no we've no idea what a sustainable city is we've no definition for it we don't even understand what sustainability is we've been at this for 30 years now 35 years since the Brundtland report nearly and we're still no closer to understanding what sustainability actually is and if we don't understand what it is then we can't measure it so that's a big problem so how do you have local improvement if you're not measuring things? Well, maybe it's actually easier at the local because you could say, for example, clean up a creek or something like that, and you can measure that. But the real difficulty is that there's no vision of, of sustainability as an outcome, a meaningful outcome, something that we would live with and within from the SDGs. Because as I say, they're just a set of bullet points. So how do you meet an SDG at the local level? Well, I would just say that, you know, try and do something that improves your local area and don't worry about whether you're meeting the goal or not, because by definition you will be. But that's all the use the goals are. They're just a poster. They're, they're practically a meme at this stage, as far as I can tell in the environmental movement. People just keep nodding and talking about the SDGs like there's some meaningful journey we're on, which they're not. 
because we've, we were doing fine in addressing a lot of those questions before the colourful um, SDGs came along. So some people like them, some people have great faith in them. A lot of people like to have something to aspire to, even if it's not clear what you're actually aspiring to. But the reality is that most cities in the developing world, or sorry, in the developed world at least, are getting more sustainable all the time at local and urban level for a variety of reasons. Mostly it's because of economic prosperity, but that leads then to other improvements. So to that degree, if we continue to improve people's economic circumstances and move more people out of poverty, then generally we will see better outcomes vis-a-vis sustainability overall. So the goals are just a poster, basically. How you interpret that poster is entirely up to you, but the UN never says that. So at, at most a rallying cry that people can potentially coordinate themselves around. When we think about you know, big wicked problems like sustainability, climate change response, sustainability in cities, social exclusion, how do we bring the disciplines together and approach these large issues in a more coordinated way? You know, we talked about smart cities as maybe potentially one of those solutions, but they're pretty complex ecosystems when we think about cities and regions and states and, and the globe and how we all interconnect. What do you see as some of these opportunities to coordinate, to really share this economic prosperity? It's very difficult to bring the disciplines together. It's difficult to bring stakeholders together. It's especially difficult to bring built environment disciplines and stakeholders together because they're naturally pretty wary of each other and suspicious and jealous and all kinds of things. But putting all of that aside, um, I mean, how do you steer towards the bigger picture? Well, I I think, first of all, you've got to zoom out a little bit. I mean, Southeast Queensland, where we are at the moment, for example, is 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 actually a really good example of, of how this in, in some respects has happened. So you look at the regional planning system here, which is what I did my PhD back on years ago. That came about because of, of three major problems, but uh, which were air quality, water quality, but the biggest one of all was population growth and how to manage that while maintaining the livability and, and uniqueness and all the special things about the SEQ. So, so the decision was made in the late 80s, early 90s to establish a regional planning regime. And then, so now you're suddenly looking at things at a much more strategic level than just a you know, you're also looking at things at the local level, you've local governments for that, and at the city level, you've city councils and so on, but now you've got a regional perspective as well, and, and as part of that, they brought together all of these different stakeholder groups, and they engaged the community, and they had, they had forums, and they had various committees, and the regional planning authority, and the RPAGs, and all, all these different groups, and it was, a, it was and remains a long-term project, and I would say a very successful one, and the current plan now looks out to 2060, I think, or maybe even slightly longer than that, shaping SEQ. That's the way you do it. That's a good model. I would say that's a very good model. And we, you know, we keep seeing sort of, um, well, I wouldn't say keep seeing, but regularly we see new efforts to, you know, create a new forum for decision making in Southeast Queensland, or how do we plan for the Olympics, or how do we coordinate development across the major local government areas, you know, these kinds of things. So that's how you do it. That's how you do it. But you, you've got to remember you're tackling a big problem that's got a long-term implication and is not going to be solved in five years. And it's dynamic. It will change over time. So again, there's no end goal. There's just a process, an ongoing process. So uh, zoom out, bring together the right stakeholders, understand your timelines, and appreciate that change is gradual. That's a good way to start. Fantastic. I think that dynamic approach is incredibly important because we are dealing with change on so many levels and uh, increasingly so. Can I ask you, we mentioned there the Olympics um, SEQ, where you should find out very shortly if our bid has been successful. How do you think that we need to come together to ensure that the Olympics delivers on all of its promises for us for, for 2032? 
<laughs> probably the best thing to do is um, for people to moderate their expectations because historically the Olympics has very rarely if ever delivered on its promises for cities. And I don't mean this as any kind of criticism of Brisbane's bid, because I mean, if nothing else, it shows where Brisbane sees itself in the global hierarchy now, which is nice. Because I've been here for 11 years and Brisbane has been sort of trying to move into this world city status. And I think it's just about over, getting over the line, something that the Olympics would, 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 would be a big boon. But that's ultimately what it is, actually, is it's, it's a mark of endorsement. And if you look at the economics of the Olympics, it's a mark of endorsement that you pay heavily for generally. But nonetheless, you get the mark. So the billions that will be required to support and run the event are, again, you look at previous cities and previous events, they're unlikely to be recouped by the event. They might be recouped over time, particularly some of the infrastructure investment, but a lot of the money that goes down is not coming back immediately, or maybe ever. But if you do do it, then you get this enormous cachet of being an Olympic city, and that really stands you on a kind of a, a global stage. And so if, if we want to get the most out of the Olympics, then I think it would be well within our best interests to moderate our expectations about what exactly it is that we can get out of the Olympics and understand that if you go and have something like this or agree to host something like this it's not a dollar for dollar exchange so reports running on the media a year after the olympics about how many billions were lost hosting it that's almost part of it so again it's like if, if you want to make the money back then probably you're better off just not spending the money <laughs> but if you want to get the reputation you want to get the brand you want to get that that presence on the global stage and you want to show that you've got the nous to pull off an event like that and you've got the infrastructure for it and and all of that, which I think Brisbane and South East Queensland has. Yes. And it's interesting that it's a regional bit. I think that's a smart move. Yes, very much so. Um, if that's what you're after, then go hard for it. Um, I think the infrastructure we need is a growing region. Then it kind of provides us with a platform to kind of deliver on what's needed for population growth and how do we deliver that. But the world stage is hard to quantify in dollars. But that, that trade and investment and rebuilding international capacity and, and putting ourselves on the world stage, that's almost priceless. Oh, completely. And plus, the Gold Coast did the Calm game, so now we have to do the Olympics. That's just the way that this, this goes, you know. So. Well, it helps to double down on those investments. That was a fantastic conversation around sustainability and coordination and how do we move forward into this rapidly changing future. Thank you again for your time, Dr. Tony Matthews. It's been a pleasure on IQ Future. Thanks so much. I've enjoyed it. And uh, I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Priscilla. You've been listening to IQ Future. This podcast is brought to you by the Infrastructure Association of Queensland and is produced by BBS Communications Group.